Entrepreneur on Fire 1013. I would encourage you to take one thing, one idea from this conversation and actually apply that. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire, where I chat with today's most successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Ready to rock your own webinar? Text webinar course to 33444. That's webinar course, all one word, no spaces, to 33444. And you'll be rocking our free 10-day webinar course like a champ. Ignite. Why meet with your clients and coworkers online with Citrix GoToMeeting? Because it's a smarter way to meet. Try it free for 30 days, nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. Ready to start growing your team? Try ZipRecruiter for free and get your perfect candidate today. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Who's ready to rock today? Fire Nation. John Lee Doom is here and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, James Clear. James, are you prepared to ignite? I'm ready. Let's do it. Boom. James is a writer and researcher on behavioral psychology, habit formation, and performance improvement. His articles are read by over 500,000 people each month, and he is frequently a keynote speaker at top-tier organizations like Stanford University and Google. James, take just a minute, fill in a couple blanks in that intro, and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, to give you an idea, I've been self-employed for over five years now. Um, I've had a couple different businesses in that time. The last three years in particular have been spent going down the rabbit hole of psychological research and behavioral psychology and behavior change and trying to figure out what it is that, that drives us to take action and stick to habits over the long run. I've been writing about those topics twice a week, every Monday and Thursday at jamesclear.com. And, uh, yeah, they seem to be going over fairly well with people. They also have helped me a lot in my personal life. Um, I do photography in a variety of countries around the world, uh, often covering the rituals and routines of a particular culture or doing landscape and street photography in a particular place. And, uh, I love working out and weightlifting as well. And so these topics about habits and behavior change have been incredibly applicable to the creative tasks I've done as a photographer, as well as the health and fitness tasks I've done as an athlete and, um, and as someone who lifts weights consistently. Now, James, you don't mince words. And that's kind of one thing I've always really enjoyed about your writing and about reading blog posts and your emails. So if you were at a networking party and someone walked up to you and said, James, what exactly do you do? How do you respond in 10 seconds? I think the quickest way to explain it is to say that I write about how to build habits that stick. And from there, if the follow-up question is, oh, you know, I'm looking to start a new diet routine or better health habits, then maybe I'll dive into that. Or someone says, yeah, I have trouble getting my employees to stick to the habits that, you know, or the routines and systems that we're hoping our business will do, then we can talk about that. But how to build habits that stick is a good starting point. Love it. Love it. So one thing that we were talking about pre-interview, which is super fascinating, is number one, I mean, you were episode number 17 on Entrepreneur on Fire. You... And I chatted 
pre-launch of Entrepreneur on Fire because my first 40 interviews were done pre-launch. So when you and I talked, I mean, Entrepreneur on Fire was just a dream. It was an unproven podcast. We didn't know if it was going to work. And in fact, speaking of, you know, just different things and how things change, I mean, we were talking a lot about um, Passive Panda back then. I actually have you as the title for episode 17, James Clear of Passive Panda. So you've kind of been on a journey yourself, figuring out different things and doing different passions for a while, then moving on to something else and iterating. And, you know, we've bumped into each other at conferences. So we've got to hang out, we've got to hang out in person, which is always really cool. But man, it's been a long time. And one way that I know that I keep in touch with you, it's kind of one-sided because I can't communicate, but that's via your emails. And one thing that I just get blown away with is that every single email to me is what I call a, a coffee drinker. Like I can't read your emails unless I go and get a cup of coffee and like sit down because I want to be like sipping some some hot greatness as I'm like slowly going through and consuming your content because it's it's so fascinating. So kind of talk about your evolution real quick and how you kind of got to now where you're writing these emails, you know, sometimes, you know, two a week very consistently that are just being read by hundreds of thousands of people. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to to have you reading. I'm glad you're finding them useful. Totally. You're right. A lot has changed. It's you know, it's funny. I mean, you had no downloads when we last talked, and yeah. now you know it's it's crazy how much you've grown since then. It's been <laughs> awesome to watch. But uh, I um yeah, Passive Panda has been has since been uh, shut down. I shut it down last year and, and sold off the you know the assets and whatnot and um and all the traffic redirects to jamesclear.com now. And I one of the reasons I did that. And honestly, this is kind of a good lesson just for for business and entrepreneurship in general. I spent those first two years working on Passive Panda, cutting my teeth and sort of developing a skill set. You know, it was like an incubation period for online marketing, for me at least. I When I started, I didn't know how to build a website. I had to teach myself how to code. I didn't know what an email list was or, you know, really what a blog was or anything like that. I had never installed WordPress before. It was very basic. And so I spent that time learning how to grow a list and build a business and actually create a product that people were willing to pay for. And once I had that skill set, and and I figured out that what I really was passionate about was habits and behavior change. Um, I started writing in private, and I wrote in private about those topics for about a year. And that document got to be sixty pages long. And eventually, I was just like, I need to step up and publish something. And so, November twelfth, two thousand twelve, was the first day that I published on JamesClear.com. And every Monday and Thursday since then, I've I've written, and it has grown, you know, steadily to over half a million readers a month and one hundred seventy five thousand people on the email list. And that growth has been incredibly fast, but the reason that I was able to grow at that speed is because I had the skills from from previous projects. And so when we talk about building the email list and, you know, I don't know, my strategy around that and whatnot, I guess I could break it into a couple different categories and happy to jump into these more if you want. But the the high level overview is writing twice a week makes the biggest difference. Nothing happens if the content isn't there. And that's a very unsexy answer and, and not something people love to hear because it's not really a tactic or a you know marketing strategy so much as it is consistency and showing up and trying to do good work. But that's easily the thing that makes the biggest difference. Once you have that, though, the next phase, I would say, is design. You know, you you have a certain amount of traffic that comes to your site, but your site is kind of like a catcher's mitt. And in order for you to to build a list of any reasonable size, you need to have a good mitt. You need to be able to capture and catch uh, that traffic and, and build a community out of it. And so if you look at my design, um, you know, and anybody who's listening to this is welcome to go to jamesco.com and model uh, particular pages off for your own website too. I don't, you know, 
claim to have the the world's uh, <laughs> you know own copyright on this design or whatever. But I'm very simple and minimalistic with the way that the website is laid out. But everything is there for a purpose, all the way down to. You know, anything that you see on the site, I've probably overanalyzed to the nth degree. Um, <laughs> the size of the font, the width of the content, the space between paragraphs, the type of font style, the type of subheadings, the calls to action on the pages and where they're located. Um, all of those things have been very strategically placed. And, you know, this isn't something that I think you need to have perfected before you launch your business or your, your website, but it is something that's continually getting worked on and something that's, that's very important. Uh, Noah Kagan has a general threshold that he says 2% is the conversion rate. And if you're converting 2% of your traffic to the email list, then that's, that's good enough. And the thing that's holding you back is how much traffic you're driving, not the design of your site. Um, in the early days, my site would convert anywhere between eight and 10%, uh, overall the homepage still converts at that rate, but obviously the majority of traffic goes to the post and post pages now. Um, now it's, you know, it's steadily gone down from that eight to 8% ish range to six. And now it's probably closer to like four or five, uh, which is still pretty high given the amount of traffic that I receive. Um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much if you are over 2% because then we get to the third piece of the puzzle. So the first piece is the content creation. The second piece is the design and the third and final piece is the promotion and the marketing. And often people spend far too little time on, on that piece. And so, you know, my work has been, has been featured by time magazine, entrepreneur magazine, business insider and fast company and Forbes and a lot of other places. And none of those things happen just by accident. They happen because I spent time promoting and reaching out to those people and building relationships with um, these different companies and, you know, creating content partnerships with them. And and that's resulted in a lot of traffic, uh, but it also takes a lot of work. And so that's kind of how I would break out the three-step process of building an email list. And to kind of go back over these three steps, it's number one, content creation, number two, design, number three, promotion and marketing. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if I feel like so many people stop at number two and they don't realize that it is absolutely their job to go on to step number three, which is that promotion and marketing. In fact, Derek Halpern wrote a really impactful email a couple of years ago that was saying, hey, People are like spending 80% of their time writing content and only 20% at most marketing it. He's like, I flip it on his head. He's like, you know, I definitely spend a lot of time writing like one epic article, but then I'm spending the rest of that month marketing that one article and promoting and getting it out there and just making it shareworthy and powerful. And what I think is really awesome about your emails specifically, and this is why I really want Fire Nation to get on your email list. I mean, it is, it's all about number one, that content creation and you do that, but then it's down to the design. It's like, it's the easiest on the eyes to read email like I've ever seen. That's why like I enjoy opening them. It's like kind of like opening up a window and a breath of fresh air that comes in and today's title I love, and this is, we're talking on June 9th, Fire Nation, you're hearing this at the earliest on July 31st or later, but on June 9th email, it was what I do when I feel like giving up. And I feel like this is really consistent with what you've been talking about and what we've been talking about with our journeys is grit. And grit's the characteristic linked most closely to success in this research that you mentioned in this email. So can you talk about this real quick? Because I think this is really important for Fire Nation because you admit at the beginning, you're struggling today. You didn't feel like writing today, but grit is what got you through. So let's speak about this. Yeah. So 
I guess first, just to give people some context on my writing and work, if you're not familiar, the typical flow that I try to go through, I, I usually start with some type of story, uh, hopefully a story that's engaging. I like to back up the, the things that I write about with a piece of scientific evidence or academic research. So in this case, the GRIT study was from the University of Pennsylvania, um, and then try to distill it into a practical lesson or learning point that we can take away. All right. And I, I think that's important just because, you know, especially from the title, what I do when I feel like giving up. It sounds like it could be a fluff piece, but um, one, I was trying to be open and vulnerable about what I was struggling with since I think these are things we all deal with. And two, I just want people to know that there's, you know, there's typically 90% of the time, at least for my work, there's some type of science behind uh, the things that I'm writing about. And in this particular case, yeah, the, the research has shown that grit and uh, mental toughness, grit is kind of defined as the quality to persevere and continue working on something even, you know, when it gets incredibly difficult, um, even in the face of very long odds. And that one quality, not intelligence, not IQ, um, not skill set or acquisition or technical competency, but grit is the thing that is most closely tied to success. All those other things can be important, can be important, but without grit, uh, they tend to fade away. And one of the reasons for that is something that we all understand, but is actually very hard in practice. And that is that anyone can be a top performer or, or put in a great performance on a single day or every now and then, but it's very hard to put in a great performance day after day or week after week, month after month. And that level of consistency often, which is driven by grit is the thing that separates the top performers from the rest of the pack. And from what I've seen, I would also define this as the quality to get back on track as quickly as possible. You know, it's not that top performers or the people who who happen to be at the top of an industry never make mistakes or don't make errors or don't have bad days. They do have bad days. And that's kind of what I was sharing in this email. I mean, I, you know, I was struggling. I didn't feel like doing the work that day. And uh, what does separate them, however, is not that they don't make mistakes, but rather that they get back on track as quickly as possible. And the way that I like to term this, a little phrase I keep in mind is never miss twice. So if you think about having a chain of doing the work, let's say, for example, uh, for recording your interviews for mm-hmm. Fire, if you record an interview one, two, three, four, five days in a row, well, you just try to keep that streak going. But if for some reason you slipped up and missed a day, um, the problem isn't that you miss that one day in the grand scheme of things. It's whether or not you get back on track. And so often we see this with people, you know, take gym uh, exercises, for example. People get motivated. They work out for two or three weeks and then they miss a day and they're like, oh, well, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden they turn around. It's been three months since they've been in the gym. And so it's not missing that one day that matters. It's the second and the third that create a pattern of behavior. So by never missing twice and displaying some grit in the face of adversity, you tend to perform much better over the long run. Yeah, and something that I can say for a personal and practical um, example is I hired a, an actual uh, health and, nutri- and nutrition mentor at the beginning of 2015 because I'd always had business mentors. I love them, but I'm like, you know, this is going to be like my year of fitness and my year of health. And the first thing that this mentor said to me was, John, the best thing you can do is commit to doing a 35-minute power walk. The, the minute you wake up, get out there, get the fresh air, get blood flowing, and just commit to that, make it a habit. And the first like two weeks, it was so tough for me to do that 35-minute walk because I was tired, like I wanted to go through my normal routine of just kind of slog, slogging around and sitting down and not doing much. But then once I made it that habit, now I actually wake up and I still have those cobwebs, but I'm like, 
I need, like, that walk is now my coffee. Like, it, it's something I have to do. And if I miss it, which I did on Sunday, I kind of feel the effects of it the rest of the day. So I get excited to jump back on it on Mondays. Like, it's become part. Like, I have, like, these, like, four, like, 65-plus-year-old people that I pass every single day because we walk at the exact same times. And I feel like I need to wave at them to, like, start my day. And, like, that's kind of, like, this habit I've gone into. And it's been really interesting that that has been a link for me to success. And that's kind of where I want to move to next are your two most popular articles. Number one is transform your habits because you kind of are the habit guy in my mind. Like whenever anybody struggles with habits, I always point them to you and to specifically this article, which is actually a 45 page PDF. Um, So can you talk about why this is your most popular article and like what Fire Nation could really get out of it if they go and, and jump on this 45 PDF page PDF, which will just be delivered to their inbox? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, just let me say, I think it's amazing that your walking partners are all over 65. All of them. Um, it's, that's like, that has to be one of the best ways to start. Yeah, and it's, and it's 5.45 a.m. in the morning. So it's like, <laughs> it's really like, hey. <laughs> yeah, that's killer. Um, I, uh, so one thing that I, I do want to point out, and this is mentioned in Transform Your Habits, that 45-page guide you talked about. Uh, the way, first of all, the way to think about the guide is it's a summary of the best research and practical ideas and strategies that I've found and I've written about on how to build new habits and stick to those behaviors over the long run. So that's what's covered in the, in the guide. One of the things that's talked about and one of the things that we're talking about right now with your walking habit is what I would refer to as a keystone habit. And this is also mentioned in the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, yeah. which is a pretty good read. Um, a keystone habit is the type of behavior that pulls the rest of your life in line and kind of has a ripple effect on the other things that you do throughout the day. And when we think about, you know, it's really easy, especially if you spend a little bit of time thinking about the habits you want to build, to come up with this list of, oh my gosh, I need to change so many things in my life, right? Five, 10, 15 different things that I, I need to break these bad habits and start these good habits. And you can feel overwhelmed very quickly. A keystone habit, I think, is a good way to avoid that and a good way to actually get yourself from thinking about all this to taking the first step and taking action. So the keystone habit for my life is working out. I know that if I get my workout routine in and I go to the gym and train every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if I do those things, then a lot of other stuff happens. Yes, I get the benefits of strength training and you know and getting stronger, but I also come back and I have this like post-workout high for the next hour or two, so I have really good clarity and focus for thinking. I tend to eat better when I work out, mm. and I just am kind of feeling like, oh, you know, I've I have this momentum going, I don't want to waste it now. And so I kind of naturally just tend to have better nutrition. I sleep better at night because I'm tired from training, which means I wake up the next day and I have better energy to put toward my next day of work. So all of these things that, you know, that happened, better sleep habits, better energy habits, better focus, better nutrition. At no point was I trying to build habits for any of those four things. They just happened as a side effect, as a consequence of doing that one keystone habit. So for me, it's weightlifting. That's a common one. For you, it's the daily walk. You also hear about CEOs talk about a meditation habit. If I get my five or 10 minutes of meditation in each morning, then the rest of my life kind of falls in line. Another popular one is visualization. Often you hear performers talk about that. So comedians, before they get out on the stage, for example, will you know visualize their best performance that they've ever done or something like that. And these, these are all examples of a keystone habit that has this ripple effect into the other things that you do. And if you're looking for an action step to take after the, you know, these 30 minutes or so, that would be my suggestion. Write down the things that happen on the days when you're at your best, and then you'll probably come across two or three options that may be a keystone habit for you. And you might have to experiment with them to figure out which one it is, but 
settle on that one keystone thing and focus on that rather than worrying about changing everything in your life and transform your habits, uh, which you can download if you're interested. It's at jamesclear.com slash habits that has some exercises in there for, for building these new habits into your life and ways that you can kind of stack them in and make them more routine, uh, as well as just some practical strategies for, um, you know, for how habits work and how to, to make them work for you. And James, one thing I love that I learned from you and actually directly from this PDF is how to build habits off of habits. And like a specific example here is, you know, when I'm doing my old person walk here every single morning at 545, you know, I'm going around the Bay here in San Diego, touching a specific post. It's like my halfway point. I touch it at 17 minutes and then I turn around and I'm walking back. And, you know, I I know that I'm going through this. I know I have a destination. That halfway point has come like a little ritual for me. But now I realize, you know, hey, these walks are great, but I am missing something. You know, I'm always hearing James talk about lifting heavy things and how important weightlifting is. I know that I need more full body than just this power walk. So, you know, talking to my mentor again, he's like, well, listen, just start small. Like, here's a great app you can download. It's called the seven minute workout. And it's seven minutes of just doing things like burpees and and squats and lunges and push-ups and, and pull-ups and all these different things that you can pretty much do anywhere. And he's like, just start doing that every single day, seven minutes. And so then I, what I did was at like the 90% point of my walk, there's this little area um, which is kind of like an indent in the boulevard. So I have some extra space. And I said, like, this is going to be the place where I stop and do a seven-minute app every single day. So I bought a little stand and I set it up there. And now, so when I get to that 90% mark, I'm like, I need to do my seven-minute app workout. So now I'm getting the push-ups and the burpees and doing that extra stuff, which is important. But I never would have got to that point if I hadn't first done that. So for me, building habits upon habits is critical. And I just, I just really love how you broke that down. Yeah. So I call this habit stacking. And the basic idea is that you have some behavior that you've built into your life and that's part of your daily routine. And that routine, from a neurological perspective, you know, the the phrase is neurons that fire together, wire together. (laughs) And so as you do this over and over again, you have this pattern. So you can kind of see it as like an information highway in your brain where it's like, yes, every day I do this habit. Well, if you want to build a new habit, one of the easiest ways to to tap into your uh, brain and you know and try to tie it into these uh, tied in as a new behavior is to build an on ramp to that highway. And so you're you're kind of getting to stack that new habit on top of the thing that's already ingrained psychologically in a very strong way. And so for you, the trigger is when I get to this you know this little indent in the boulevard, then I do my seven minute workout. And you can stack new habits on in many different type of ways like this. You know, one of the most popular ones that I've done or that has worked really well for me has been a daily gratitude habit. And for me, it's every day when I sit down for dinner, I say one thing that I'm grateful for that day. And so the, the habit that I'm stacking is when I sit down for dinner. That's the preceding action. Um, another common one, if you wanted to start meditating, you could say, when I have my morning cup of coffee, then I'll meditate for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for uh, for more information on that, BJ Fogg, who's a professor at Stanford, he that's this little uh, strategy we're talking about is part of his tiny habits routine. And I, th- I believe it's tinyhabits.com uh, if you want to look at more of that, but he's got some great stuff on it. Yeah, and Fire Nation, jamesclear.com slash habits. Do yourself a favor, get this PDF, epic stuff. And Fire Nation, we're about to enter the next and the last part of this interview. But before we get there, we are going to take a minute to thank our sponsors. 
Are you looking to hire but not sure where to find the best candidates? I know the feeling. We only have so much time in a day, and we all know that hiring can be a tough process. The time commitment, having to sift through resume after resume, investing your time in multiple interviews, plus posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates anymore. Good news. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, I can post to 100 plus job sites with one single click and be instantly amassed to candidates from over 4 million resumes. Just post once and within 24 hours, your candidates will be rolling into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. All you have to do is choose your top candidates. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses and you can try it today for free. Try ZipRecruiter to get your perfect candidate before they go someplace else. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. There's nothing worse than wasting time in your business. Whether it's spent on unnecessary travel, sitting in traffic, or planning and coordinating your next meeting, there's simply no need for it. But connecting with your client and coworkers is integral to the success of your business, and that's why I recommend meeting online with Citrix GoToMeeting, because it's a smarter way to meet. You can connect with anyone from anywhere, because GoToMeeting allows you to meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone, no hassle necessary. Want face-to-face? They've got that too. Turn on your webcam, and with HD quality, it's like being in the same room. You can even present and share screens to get feedback in real time because with GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing so your team is on the same page. I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. Try it free for 30 days. Nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try a Free button. Do it now and have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. So James, we're back and I want to end strong. And I think we can end strong with something that I know a lot of Fire Nation struggles with and you are just a master of. And that is your second most popular and read article, Mastering Creativity. And the tagline there is, break through your mental blocks and uncover your hidden creative genius. And that can be found at jamesclear.com slash creativity. So James, Kind of take us there. Like, why do you think this became your second most read and popular article? And again, you have this PDF, which is 36 pages of just, you know, packed with info on creativity and how it works. Like, let's talk about this. Yeah. So when I started, uh, when I started writing, I often thought that I got my best ideas or my most creative ideas when I had this burst of inspiration. And I think as entrepreneurs, this is something we often face, especially when we're looking to start a new business or launch a new product. We think, oh, I just need to think on it more. And then it'll, you know, have this spark. Like we're obsessed with finding the best idea or the right idea. This idea that there is some, you know, some perfect idea out there, some perfect business option or the right business name or tagline. And I, you know, I know because I've been through it, I've spent a lot of time trying to think through the right tagline or the right business name or, you know, the right logo, all this stuff. Uh, what I found, however, and this is, I'll just tell you a little story of the, the yeah. backstory of it. So I was, I was writing and I was only writing when I had that burst of inspiration because I thought it's when I got my good ideas. And so I was talking to a friend of mine named Todd Henry, who's a published author and die and, empty pass EO fire guest. Yes, there we go. Love it. Um, and Todd, Todd's a great, you know, he's a great author, great writer. And so I was talking to him and I said, Todd, what do you think about this idea that, uh, I do my best work whenever I feel motivated or when I get this burst of inspiration, that's when I write. And he was like, well, that makes sense. I write when I feel motivated too. 
just happens to be every day at 8 a.m. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is the difference between amateurs and professionals, right? Like amateurs do things when it's easy for them, when they feel inspired, when they feel motivated. Professionals do things on a schedule. They show up day after day. And there's that famous Chuck Close uh, quote, the famous artist who says, um, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. And I think that when I started to look at creativity more that way, as a process, as a system, as a skill, I started seeing much better results. You know, I, because I write twice a week, every Monday and Thursday, I write about eight or nine articles a month. And if I write eight or nine a month, I know that two or three of them are going to be decent. I don't know which two or three it'll be though. And I have to show up and try my best each time. And I know that if I do that, then I show up enough times to get the average ideas out of the way so that every now and then a really good idea can reveal itself. And Mastering Creativity, the guy that you talked about, it covers that process. How do we show up enough times to get the average ideas out of the way so that you can have that little burst of genius reveal itself every now and then? And, you know, tying it into the rest of our conversation that we've had, how do we make creativity a habit? You know, no one wants to have one good creative idea in their life or a decent idea every year or so. We want to be able to perform on a consistent basis, especially as entrepreneurs. You know, if you're a marketer, you need to come up with creative ideas all the time. If you're someone who's building a business or launching products, creativity is central to what you do. And being able to view that as a process and a system that you can develop, a skill set that you can create for yourself through habits and through consistency, I think it's a very powerful thing. And so the the guide covers some of the exercises that I've done for that, some stories about famous artists like Picasso and famous researchers like Paul Erdos and how they have performed in creative ways on a very consistent basis um, and, uh, and gives some practical lessons and, and learning insights for how to apply those things. I mean, I just think this has been a master class on habits, on how to master creativity. I mean, Fire Nation, this is a listen over and over type podcast. And again, for this specific uh, PDF for mastering creativity, jamesclear.com slash creativity. And James, let's end this episode on Fire Brother with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Awesome. Well, so I will, the, the final thing I'll say is a very short story, and I think it'll give you an idea of how to take action on what we've talked about. In the mid-2000s, uh, Great Britain's professional cycling team, called Team Sky, had a very middle-of-the-road record. They had not performed well on the world stage. They had never won a Tour de France. And they hired this guy named Dave Brailsford who, for, as their team performance director. And they said, we want to change this. We want to win a Tour de France. What's your plan? And Brailsford believed in this concept that he called the aggregation of marginal gains. And the way that he described it was the 1% improvement in nearly everything that you do. So they started by looking for 1% improvements that you would expect a cycling team to do. They got slightly lighter tires on the bike. They built a more ergonomic seat. They had their riders wear biofeedback sensors to see how each person responded to their training. But then they did a bunch of things you wouldn't expect a cycling team to do. They figured out the type of pillow that led to the best night's sleep for each rider and then brought that on the road with them to hotels. They split tested different massage gels to see which one led to the best type of muscle <laughs> recovery. Um, they taught their riders how to wash their hands to reduce the risk of infection. And Brailsford said, if we can execute on this, if we can actually make these 1% gains in all these different areas, I think we can win a Tour de France in five years. He ended up being wrong. They won the Tour de France in three years, and then they repeated again the fourth year with a different rider. And when Brailsford coached the British cycling team at the Olympics in London in 2012, they won 70% of the gold medals available. So 
what I'd like to leave you with is this idea that 1% gains or small improvements, these tiny habits that we're talking about building, they don't just make a small difference. They can add up to a very significant difference, a difference that's enough to become an Olympic champion, enough to win a Tour de France, enough to build a million-dollar business. And so I would encourage you to take one thing, one idea from this conversation and actually apply that. And if you're interested in getting more, you can check out my work at jamesclear.com. I'm happy to share whatever I've learned with you there. Now, just to prove to you, James, and to Fire Nation that I don't just blow smoke, but I, I really am a big-time reader and, and follower of James, it, when you started talking about this, it immediately took me back to one of your recent emails a few weeks ago about Pat Riley and his career best effort, which was essentially very similar. We're getting all of his players 1% better by showing them, hey, this is what your CBE number is every single game, and them actually having something to work at and knowing that, hey, that one more rebound that I get really is going to matter on my CBE number, which to me as a sports and competitive guy is fascinating. So I love all of this. I mean, Fire Nation, you got to get on this email list because again, it is the coffee drinking email. You're going to want to really be consuming this in a very slow and enjoyable manner. And you know this, Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with James C. and JLD today. So keep up that heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type James in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up. We're talking episode 17. You'll hear me say, are you prepared to ignite like the creepy voice I used to have? And you'll hear me in this episode, 1013, with a little energy. And of course, jamesclear.com slash habits or slash creativity, or just go to jamesclear.com and check it out and, and see everything. And James, I want to thank you, brother, for sharing just everything that you've mastered in life with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. This episode is supported by Sidekick by HubSpot. Sidekick is the ultimate email advantage, providing you with seamlessly integrated email tools for Gmail, Apple Mail, and Outlook. With Sidekick, you can receive live notifications when someone opens and clicks on your emails, so you have powerful contact insight right in your inbox. Go to getsidekick.com slash fire to get your first month of Sidekick for free and to see why 200,000 other users love Sidekick. Fire Nation, thank you for joining us on Entrepreneur on Fire. Visit eofire.com for links to everything we chatted about today, as well as killer resources, gifts, and so much more. Are you subscribed to the Fire Nation newsletter? Why the heck not? Text EOFIRE to 33444 and you'll get gifts, resources, and value bombs galore. Have an inspired day and ignites.